Hey there, and welcome to the Insert Coin Theater podcast. We're on episode 22, and we're doing something a little different today. We are doing an AMA, and for those who don't know what that is, it stands for Ask Me Anything. I posted on Twitter, on the RetroFizz Discord, and the ICT Discord asking for questions from you lovely folks that I can answer on the show. So your chance to pick my brain about whatever you want to hear me talk about. And we've got some really interesting topics to dive into. So we'll go ahead and start. Let's start the show. And for those of you who don't know, my name is Tim. I forgot to introduce myself right at the beginning. God, it has been a day. We did the Retrofizz podcast not 30 minutes ago, so I'm kind of still in that mind space of of bantering with uh, with Sean, which is always a blast. I love talking with that guy, and we just we, we bounce off each other very, very well. But with that said, we're going to dive into some questions from you lot. So the first question that I got was from Shadow Sharks Gaming uh, on Twitter, at TSTSSG, uh, also known as Will by me. He had two questions on here. The first one was, can I take you to a romantic dinner? The answer is, uh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I encourage it. But uh, I am a steak and potatoes kind of guy, so I'm a little bit of an expensive date when it comes to food. I love food. So if you're thinking Taco Bell, find yourself another date. But... They said, in seriousness, what are your thoughts on the Sekiro discourse? Like, should Soulsborne games have an easy mode button, or would adding one take away from the experience? And interestingly, uh, I think this was something that I was actually talking about not long ago, so it's a great question, and I love that it came up, so thank you very much, Will. So pretty much how this boils down is my issue with Sekiro is that has, it is, uh, and that's Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, for those of you who don't know, uh, it is a, a game by From Software, the same folks who made the uh, Dark Souls and the uh, uh, Bloodborne games and like Demon Souls and all that. And it's a very hard game. It's designed to be very challenging and very punishing. And it's it, it's that way by design. Now, my issue with the community around these games is the negativity that they bring, the toxicity that comes out. And I, 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 I will always call it out and I will speak out about it wherever I can. And in this case, the toxicity comes from the get good crowd, which again, I've, I've talked about this ad nauseum in the past and it's, it's back. It's here again because of this game and it people who, are not up to the challenge of this game, who don't have the time to sink into it, who don't have that kind of energy or free time to sink into beating a game like this and be punished over and over again, don't have the patience or don't have the the physical dexterity due to limitations of uh, maybe they have MS or uh, a disease that prevents them, a degenerative disease. Or maybe they're a, a content creator who works full-time like myself, who just doesn't have that kind of time. And there are stories to these games, and 
the big cry that comes out for these games is why is there no easy mode? And by easy mode, we mean a mode that allows you to much more easily defeat bosses and, and creatures while still being able to enjoy the story. And then the crowd that defends this says that you just have to get skilled at the game. Get good. You have to practice and and sink your life into this game to get good. I've put hundreds of hours into it, therefore you must sink hundreds of hours into it. And it's ultimately a form of gatekeeping that excludes a lot of folks who don't have the kind of time to sink into it. Like There are people that absolutely love these games, and that's fine. And nobody is here to tell you you can't enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it. What I'm here to tell you is don't gatekeep. Don't be that guy. If somebody wants something from a game company, they're not hurting anything to request it and to ask for it. You're hurting the way that people perceive that game and community by being a dick. So I think ultimately my argument around this has been the same that it has been from the get-go. Treat people like you want to be treated. Looking at a game like Sekiro, you've got a challenging game that was built that way to be punishing. That people who want to enjoy it in a punishing way, who want that ridiculously hard bang your head against the wall gameplay, can enjoy it that way. There is nothing taken away from the experience of the story, the way that it's written, by making it less punishing, by making it so that people can enjoy it in whatever fashion that they see fit, whether it be an easy mode or if you get beat by a boss too many times, it says, would you like less of a challenge? And you can say yes or no. And if you say yes, then it makes the boss's health half or whatever and rinse and repeat. That sort of thing is where when you say get good, you're saying put as much time into this as I have. There are people that have sunk hundreds or thousands of hours into the Soulsborne games who have gotten good at these games. And that's great. Like, good for you. Like, it's so exciting that you love and have so much passion for a franchise, for a developer and their work, that you're willing to sink hundreds to thousands of hours into it. I commend that. I think that's awesome. However, what I can't commend is when you start telling people that the only way that they can enjoy this thing that I love is by sinking hundreds or thousands of hours into it themselves. It's the same kind of argument that when you have comic books and somebody says, hey, I'm interested in that, and you say, well, you gotta be, you got to start by reading all of Superman from the beginning, otherwise you're not hardcore enough. Or if somebody says, "Hey, let's talk about let's talk about Captain Marvel." I really like that movie. Oh, you only like that movie? Pff, pleb, you're not a real fan unless you read the comics since chapter 1. Things like that. It it's silly, it's unnecessary, it's overdone and it's tired. It's just tired, guys. I I don't get the tribalism involved here. And I think that's where my big issue comes from. It's it's negativity for the sake of being negative and keeping I don't know, there's some maybe there's some like mental idea of pristine that you want to protect from the normies or something that are going to get their, you know, their taint all over it and ruin it. 
I think a lot of this comes from that whole the whole SJW boogeyman that people like th- like throwing out that the uh, the hardcore fanboys of uh, you know Comicsgate and Gamergate like to throw out, and I don't know it's it's a bit it's a bit over it's a bit overdone it's it's tripe is what it is and I I'm I'm a little fed up with the whole gatekeeping aspect of gaming comic books like nerd culture in general like any nerd fandom has these like hardcore gatekeepers and i mean some of them are way less gatekeepy if that's a word than others Uh, look at like harry potter it's pretty accepting most of us can go jk rowling's lost her mind uh please stop messing with the canon type thing um but if you look at like the star wars fandom if you look at uh if you look at most of the gaming fandoms they're they're a toxic place to be. And it's unfortunate because gaming is such a great thing and it, you don't lose anything making it more inclusive. I mean, if you look at something like uh, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, the new game that's coming out, I think that that's the, the series. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Uh, it gives you the option to make your character transgender, uh, non-binary, or you can make, make them cis. You can make them, you know, make them cis and heterosexual like it gives you it's supposed to give you options and i see so many complaints about there being these options as if it takes away things and it's like having more voices in what you create only makes it better for everybody by keeping something locked in this closet or cage of this is mine not yours this can't change because it's perfect the way it is Nothing ever gets better that way. It ain't perfect. It's got problems. And we're telling you what the problem is, is that it is exclusive. The Soulsborne series is an exclusive thing by virtue of having fast reflexes, being able to deal with the garbage controls in the Dark Souls games. I'm sorry. They're crap. I don't don't at me. I don't even want to hear it from you. The controls in the Dark Souls games control like uh, a 12-year-old coded them and then ran the code through molasses. Like it's awful. Part of the reason why that game is so challenging, I think. And I I had the argument that the, the toxicity is a joke and I'm sorry, but toxicity isn't a joke. Once you start bringing toxicity into the issue, into the equation, even if you're joking, you're riling someone up for the sake of riling them up. That's called trolling and that's toxic. I'm sorry. That's what it is. If you want to make a joke about something, Make it about something not at the expense of someone else. When you're tearing other people down is when it stops being a joke and it becomes you being a dick. I hope that makes sense. When comedy is not punching down, it's punching up or punching equal. And by saying, you got to get good, you're pretty much saying, I'm so much better than you, and that's punching down. And that's not, that's not funny. That's not clever. It makes you look like an ass. I know I'm saying dick and ass a lot i apologize i i'm not a normally this bad but this sort of thing gets me really riled up so with that said having an easy mode would be nice it would be preferred it wouldn't take anything away having more options never takes away from things that's the whole idea it adds to it and makes the experience that much greater for everyone people can say I played it and I beat it. And then you remove the gatekeeping out of the equation because instead of people being like, oh, you just got to get good to beat it, you guys can say, I love this part of the story. I love this part too. Did you see this part? What about this part? Rather than being, oh, well, you'll never understand or see the story because uh, you're not good enough to. 
it sucks. That sucks a lot. That just it's it's not nice. It's not enjoyable, and it really sours the fandom for people trying to get involved. And this is th- these are things that have happened in many fandoms. I'm not just picking on Soulsborne. I'm only bringing it up because that's what was brought up in the question from from Will. So I that's where I'm at is we've got severe gatekeeping going on. It's always the case. And I don't think it's joking. I I think it's genuinely so ingrained to the Soulsborne game culture, the from software game culture, that some people just accept it and are just like, that's just how it is. And that's not how a fandom should be. A fandom should not exclude people from getting involved in it just because they have a passing interest in it. You should not discourage people from being casual fans of something because that's how you kill franchises. I'm sorry. The reason that Marvel movies have done so well, and you tell me that the Marvel movies are bad. I don't know if you could with a straight face. Some of them aren't great. That's true. And there is valid criticism to be levied at them. But almost every Marvel movie that has come out has been highly accessible and highly successful. If you make it so that people can understand it and get involved with it without being super duper hardcore you will open it up to new avenues of growth and prosperity and you'll get more of what you like. I don't know what's so hard to understand about that. I don't want to have more of the thing I like because I want it all to be mine. What? Come on now. Think about it. Think about what you're saying and what you're doing before you jump on the bandwagon of this is mine, not yours. I I hate the mentality. I don't like the way that people approach that, and it's very, very frustrating to me. So be sure to be kind to other people. Usher them in. You don't necessarily have to offer to teach them how to play, but saying you need to get good is not a way to handle getting someone involved in your fandom. If somebody asks for help, if somebody asks for tips, point them in the right direction. That's being a good steward of the thing you're a fan of. When you say you can't be involved because you're not good enough, that's the opposite of being a good fan. I really wish From Software would step up and say, hey, stop being toxic D-bags, guys, because it would really save a lot of face for their company in my eyes. And they, I know that they're a Japanese company, so they probably are just like, we make hardcore games for hardcore Japanese gamers, and so be it. That's their right to make the games that way. It would go a long way in my book to respecting them a lot more if they would just say, hey, guys, don't be toxic D-bags. Just, just be nice. Like Treat people with respect. Treat people like they should be. Because when I hear somebody say, hey, maybe Dark Souls needs an easy button, and then I hear, oh, you just got to get good, and they start foaming at the mouth, one person is being reasonable here, and it's not the person who's foaming at the mouth. Generally speaking, when a fandom comes under fire, it's usually something that you either can defend or there's really good reason it's coming under fire. I I can't think of a fandom that has come under fire for unnecessary reasons as of late. I could be wrong. Please share it with me if I am. But if somebody is calling something out as a problem, instead of just saying, there's no problem here, you're the problem, maybe reflect inwardly before jumping to that conclusion you can really go a long way to expanding your fandom, the things that you love, in a way that's really meaningful to not only you and growing you as a person, but to the person that is getting involved in that fandom as well as the game 
developer, publisher themselves. They will see the sales on this went up. I wonder why. It's because people feel much more welcome to be part of that game's community. It's when you start being insular that your community begins to die. And I think that's a danger that we have with the Soulsborne games. I know that there are a ton of people who love them. That's great, and I'm glad you do. But I think it's something to be on the watch for. Being exclusive. Kids have a lot of free time. Adults don't. And it's a very kid-oriented franchise here in the States, I think. And I think it's just... I think that it could use some grown-up oversight, maybe, where they say, hey, don't do that. I don't think there's enough of that in the Soulsborne fandom. And I think uh, I think it's up to you guys to police it internally. Like, if you want to keep it insular, go ahead and keep being dicks. That's fine with me. But if you want your fandom to grow and be more accepting, call other people on it. Say, hey, stop doing that. That doesn't help. That makes us look stupid. And it, it's like the whole PC Master Race thing, right? It's stupid. It's dumb. It was a throwaway joke made by Yahtzee. That was funny for the first couple of weeks, which is fine. And then it started being like a mantra, a serious thing that they follow and they use it ironically, but they mean it like nine times out of 10. They're like, oh, console suck, PC Master is. And ultimately it's stupid, but it's creating divides and being toxic and gatekeeping. And it makes no sense, especially in this day and age of consoles being able to at least play the games that PC games can for the most part. And render them, albeit maybe at a lower resolution or lesser frame rate. But that doesn't make PC superior inherently as long as people are enjoying the same experiences. That's all that matters. We got to get that through our heads as gamers and understand that this is this is us. This is for everyone. We want people to love games as much as we do and not exclude people for the sake of they're not good enough. No. Not cool. Not cool. Gaming is for everyone. And if you are a gamer with a capital G, you are one of those people who are an exclusive person, a gatekeeper. Get the hell out. There. I said it. I feel better. All right, Will. Thank you for your question. That's not aimed directly at you, so you can stay. I like you. Uh, but, but that said, um, that is that is what's going through my head right now um, with that. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and break for a short sponsored segment. So stick around and we will be back very, very shortly. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about more AMA questions. We have several more, so we'll go ahead and do that. So uh, we'll be right back and welcome back. Thank you for coming on back to the show. I hope I didn't drive you off with my insane babbling about gatekeeping and fandoms, but uh, it's kind of a big deal to me. It's important to me to make games accessible because gaming is important to me. It is such a huge part of my life. I grew up with video games, just like I grew up with Star Wars, with Star Trek, with all those things, and it's just really important to me to make sure that they are continued on and not killed because people want to gatekeep and keep others out. Okay, so I had two almost identical questions next. So Shaka Panda asked, how do you feel about AFK stream content? Do you think it helps or hurts the streaming ecosystem? How do you think it affects up and coming channels? AFK being rebroadcast, farms of any kind, influencer sparks, music streams, etc. And then Starmer asked, how do you feel about streamers using AFK streams on Mixer to gain sparks and concurrent viewership? 
So for those of you who do not know, Mixer has a system called Sparks. It's a currency you earn by watching streams, and you can spend those uh, on partnered streamers, and as they hit milestones, they get a cash award for it. Um, you can spend them in non-partnered streams too to use skills and mix play activities, but ultimately that's the kind of gist of it. That's why people will farm, uh, will spark, will run AFK streams and beg for sparks from them. So one of the things that I have to preface this with is, in a way, Retrofizz is kind of an AFK stream. It's a 24-hour content cycle. We create brand new content specifically for Retrofizz. And it airs on RetroFizz later on in the week. This means that we have a lot of original and new content that has never seen another channel. We have some things that come from other channels but are edited. And we have some things that are just um, rebroadcasts of special events we do. Like uh, when I do things with uh, Sean, we do Friendship Friday, which we play like a, a game that we can play together like Borderlands 2, Apex Legends, Fortnite, etc. And those get played and they get kind of put into a cycle and then played later on in the day, later on in the week, etc. However, the idea is that Retrofizz is closer to a television sh channel than just a rebroadcast of one person's VODs from the last week or whatever. So I feel like I, I have to kind of preface that because in terms of justification, Retrofizz is a totally different entity in that regard. We, we aim to have original content that you have not seen on a stream before alongside other stuff. Okay, so that being said, AFK streams in general, I find to be a little weak. I think that they are, I think they're kind of lazy. So especially when used in the context of Spark Farms, etc., I think they're kind of lazy. I think music streams are okay in the context of if it's that company like Monster Cat or what have you, like that is what they do. Music is their thing. That's fine. If you're a live streamer who's just like, I'm going to blare music from, you know, from Monster Cat that I have a license for, so therefore I'm just going to do 24 hours of Monster Cat music too just to get sparks, it's a bit silly. I think, I think it's, I think the problem I have with it is that it, it just sits and it's there but it's not contributing anything. Retrofizz contributes things. It contributes new content to the platform, brings a new idea about, and gives people something to look forward to, something new that they can expect. Whereas a rebroadcast of a bunch of content that you've already streamed is kind of, they can watch it on a VOD already. Whereas with Retrofizz, you cannot. And if you're rebroadcasting a VOD, there's a feature for that without going live. If you're going live, you are you are taking up more bandwidth than you should, in my opinion, because people aren't watching it a la carte. I think using it as a way to just gain sparks, like sparks have made people nuts on Mixer. And I the concept is interesting where they get cash bonuses for milestones, but it has literally turned everything into a big spark fight. Everybody just begs for sparks. And I'm not I'm saying the royal everybody. I'm not saying like specific people because I know certain people who do not do that. And when you have something like Twitch, which they just have bits and subs, that's good enough. Sparks is like a free currency that people can use and it just made all the partners crazy and they're thirsty for it. They just want milestones. They don't care about anything else. They just want the money involved in milestones. It's very strange and kind of frustrating. And honestly, if I'm being for real, I can't 
wait for them to go away. I, that that's my two cents. I don't want them around anymore. I think the I think sparks are fine. The milestones should go. Partners shouldn't get cash bonuses for for sparks because it's polluting the ecosystem for what could be good content being overlooked for people who are super hype, like, Oh, drop your sparks, drop your sparks. It's all about sparks. Everything's about sparks. And the, the success pool is going to people who are really good at manipulating people and giving into giving them sparks rather than being, you know, open to making good content. It, it, the content has become about sparks and not about good content. There's something to be said about hype streamers. Like people do that pretty well. There are some that are really good at it, but ultimately, like when your when your stream literally is just spam saying "give sparks, give sparks, give sparks" from all your viewers, and all you're doing is seeing spark drops and stuff, and then you have like scenes that are all about sparks. It's you begin to focus your content on a thing that is completely that should that's probably temporary because I, I have a hunch they're going to get rid of it at some point and just something that is meaningless like sparks are meaningless they're they're an invisible currency that's there to enable mixed play and skill interactions that's all it's for and when we lost sight of that when partners started jumping on it as a uh you know got to get that money it's like then your content becomes more about money making and making a buck off your viewers than actually making good content that's kind of where i stand with it and i know that's harsh but it's, that's the way I feel about it. I just, I, I can't slice it any other way. Yeah, I asked for Sparks. I mean, I'm not saying I'm like some holy saint who never mentions Sparks ever, but I don't make my whole stream about Sparks. I'll bring it up whenever there, I do giveaways for milestones and when we're getting close, it's like, hey guys, we're getting close to this milestone. If you want to drop Sparks, feel free. Otherwise, that's cool. You know, you got to do the spiel. You got you to gotta sell yourself. If you want to be successful and you want to make it a full-time career, yes, you have to make money, but you can't make money at the expense of good content. That's all there is to it. It's part of why I love doing retrofits so much, why I love doing this podcast so much. It gives me a lot of flexibility to focus on making good content. And I mean, I've started blogging too, and it gives me a chance to just get my thoughts out and make content that I'm proud of. I'm proud of this podcast. I'm proud of my blog, and I'm proud of my live streams. And I can I can end a stream, end a podcast, and say, yeah, that was pretty damn good. I thought that was great. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Rather than looking at, I don't know, rather than looking at it from a how many sparks did I generate today type perspective, it's it's a weird thing because you have to balance the the need to make money to pay the bills with the, the need to succeed and the dr- desire to succeed. With that, I'm not saying don't drop sparks on me because, like, again, you have to make money in this business to really succeed. But I also am, like... I'm just so driven to the point where I want people to like my content for me and what I bring to the table, not for sparks and for like this weird, like sense of dropping money, showering invisible currency on me. I want people to be like, I like this guy. I like his community. I want to be part of that. And I want to deliver, I'll I'll give him some money here and here and there. I'll sub to him, that sort of thing. Like that's more powerful and more meaningful to me than I think, a, a huge onslaught of sparks. Uh, does that make sense? I don't know if it does. I feel like I'm like, somebody's going to be like, well, fine, I'm just not going to give you those anymore. And, you know, so be it. I My point is that it's really changed the landscape of streams on Mixer in a negative way. 
And as much as I'm appreciative of the money it brings, because it's decent money, and it helps, every little bit helps pay for games, pay for stuff, pay for trips. Like, it paid for my E3 trip, more or less. That's fine. I, I love that, and I appreciate it. Like, thank you, Mixer, for making that a thing. And I'm not complaining, but I also think that it's completely warped the sense of what good content is on the platform. And that's why I say I kind of want it to go away a little bit because once it goes away, maybe we can focus on making good content rather than being, you know, drop your sparks, drop your sparks. That's all you got to do. I I don't know. I'm just, it's tough. It's a tough call for me because like on the one hand, it benefits me. On the other, I feel like it's detrimental to the platform as a whole. I hope that answers the question. Uh, I kind of tangented off a little bit there. So I guess ultimately afk streams i don't necessarily have a problem with i just feel like vods cancel those out and something like retrofiz or the monster cat channel uh the twit channel they offer up original content that you can't really get anywhere else uh and i think that those bring more to the table than just an afk stream so i think afk stream should stop and i think more things like retrofiz and twit and uh monster cat should show up i think those really fill the gaps in And with that, we'll go to yet another sponsored break. Thank you for sticking with me thus far. I hope my thoughts have been fairly clear and you're not like, man, this guy's an idiot because, you know, I am a bit of an idiot, but I try to articulate what I mean and be thorough. But with that said, uh, we're going to go to a sponsored break. We'll be right back. And thank you for sticking with me. See you in just a second. And we're back. So we got more questions so thank you to Starmer and Shaka Panda for those last questions. Uh, so I had another one from Riles Becker. So thank you for the question, Riles. I like watching D&D streams. What, would that be something you would consider doing, or do you think it's a genre that's starting to oversaturate? I'm of two minds here. I love D&D. I enjoy it thoroughly. But I feel like D&D itself is a little overdone at this point. I mean, you've got, uh, I think, Game Grumps did D&D, Funhouse has done D&D. Achievement Hunter's done D&D. Uh, who else has done it? Um, I think Kind of Funny has done it. I could be wrong there. Um, Geek and Sundry has made huge inroads with D&D. I mean, they've got freaking Matthew Mercer as their DM like, and, and professional voice actors for their players. So, like, it's set a bar that I think is insurmountable for a lot of D&D streams. I'm not saying don't do them, but I feel like it is a little oversaturated. I think what we're ready for is possibly other games, tabletop RPGs of sorts. So like maybe Pathfinder, it's it's similar but different enough. Uh, Star Trek Adventures is a good one. There's a Lord of the Rings tabletop that came out not long ago. Star Wars, uh, the, um, oh my goodness, who, who makes that? The... The newest, the newest Star Wars, uh, man, my nose is itchy. The newest Star Wars uh, RPG that came out for tabletops, the uh, Fantasy Flight. That's who it is. Fantasy Flight, the Fantasy Flight Star Wars game. That's pretty cool. Uh, just doing different stuff brings new things to the table, and I think if you're going to be super serious, oh my gosh, excuse me for a second, guys. My nose is itchy because my beard is getting a little unwieldy. I need to trim it. I'm going to trim it tonight. So those of you watching on Retrofiz, you can see it's it's everywhere. It's all over my neck. It's crazy. Anyways, sorry about that. But if you are into tabletop RPGs, 
I, and you really want to do something different, like Mixer, there's still opportunities. There's not a ton of, there's no real big D&D players. Like Geek and Sundry has not made it over here yet. Once they do, I think it's game over a little bit, personally. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of tabletop RPGs. I just truly am, and I love them. And I think that there's so many that you could do and such a, a wide swath of what you can do uh, that's not D&D. And I mean, D and D is great because there's a lot of flexibility there too. So don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying don't. Like, I'd love to do D and D. I'd love to do Star Trek Adventures. Like, I have like a whole bunch of stuff in the can for it. I just haven't had time. Retrofiz has kind of sucked my time away, and not in a bad way. But once this does become a full time gig, which is the plan, of course, uh, I would love to run a D and D campaign over the internet and and put it on Retrofiz. I think that would be a freaking blast. I think that would be awesome. So with that said. I, I definitely have been considering doing D&D, um, and it's something that I want to do. It's something that I want to do for Retrofizz. We just, I haven't had the time or the energy to really put into it just because I have so much going on right now, but maybe someday in the future we will, and uh, yeah, it's a little oversaturated, and I think the big players have really taken a dent out of the viewership interested in seeing D&D. I don't think it's multiplied because of them. I think it's, I, I think it's a very... I want to say it's kind of a fixed audience. People who are interested in D&D are... Now I got to sneeze. <coughs> oh, that was horrible, and I'm sorry. My goodness. Okay, like I was saying, I feel like um, D&D... <sighs> I sneezed my thought away. Oh, no. I told you my beard was tickling my nose, and it's killing me. Um, <laughs> totally lost my train of thought there. It is becoming a little oversaturated and people who are going to watch things like Achievement Hunter and stuff are watching it for the spectacle and not necessarily because they want to be into it. People who are truly into it will go watch, but I feel like that's a pretty finite number. It's it's a small subsection. If you're interested in chasing that subse- subsection, do it. I recommend it. Like if you love D&D and that's something you want to do, don't let anything discourage you from doing it. I say the same thing about game streaming. It's so oversaturated. It's so over the top flooded with people playing every game under the sun. But I I think that if you want to stream, just stream, just hit the, hit the go live button. Just do it, do the thing. Don't be shy and uh, just do your best. Um, and then finally I have one other question that came in via Facebook from Josh Asensio, a buddy of mine who actually um, does the uh, downright fierce podcast. And uh, he's an awesome dude. Uh, so go Google that if you get a chance. He said, what's a game you missed out on that's been sitting on your backlog for too long? Now, that's that's a heck of a question. And there's, I mean, there's a few of them. I mean, I started Borderlands 2 with, with Sean on Friendship Friday, which Borderlands 2 is a great game. And uh, I've never beaten it. So I was hoping maybe I could beat it with Sean. I don't know if I'm going to have the patience. Um but there's, there's all sorts of games that I would love to play that are on my backlog. Uh, like I started Fable 2 again. I would love to play through that on stream. Like there's a lot of games I want to play through on stream completely that are going to be hard to do. Especially as summer rolls around and WoW Classic comes out, I'm going to put a good amount of time into that, I think. Um, but backlog-wise, like I've always had a huge backlog of games. Like I, I want to try to beat The World Ends With You. I've got it sitting like right on my desk here. Um 
like the Senran Kagura games, I've I've yet to beat one, and I love them to death because they're so ridiculously over the top. Um, I have like Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter. Like I have some really weird like Japanese like etchy games that I love that are just so weird and and interesting and intriguing to me that I I really would like to, uh, I would really like to play through them and get the story digested. Uh, there's a lot of like really classic games I'd love to play through again, like Uncharted Waters, New Horizons, Chrono Trigger, um, Aerobiz Supersonic. Uh, there's just so many games out there that I want to play, and it's it's like I don't have a specific game that I I want to beat from the backlog, but it's kind of like a massive. I just want to beat some games and get them under my belt from an on-stream perspective, so people can see it and experience it. I kind of miss beating games. Like the last time I beat a game was Crackdown Three, which was okay. I mean, the story was kind of, but it was still fun. And I, I, it wasn't like some hard hitting epic that I really had to beat. So, yeah, I, it's a hard question to tackle, just because I don't know. I, I just have a ton. Like I'd love to play through Metro Exodus, but I don't know if I have the patience for it. Um, I'd love to play some of the classic Star Wars games like uh, um, Dark Forces, Dark Forces 2, but they're so dated that I find it hard to get into them. The Jedi Knight games would be fun to play. Like, I love Star Wars, so I'd love to play through those. Like, I beat Republic Commando like three times on stream already, I think, over over the, the years. I don't know. I just don't know. I've got so many things that I want to that I want to tackle and I feel like I may never get around to some of them. I've started organizing my thoughts and what I want to play and beat onto a Trello board, which uh, Mimi, my community manager is helping with, which is great. I'm very excited about that. But that said, <sighs> there's so many games out there that I have yet to touch. And I'm just hooked on things like Groove Coaster and Apex Legends and I started playing Star Wars The Old Republic again because I never beat the story of that. Never got a character to max level. So it's like, I want to do that on stream. Uh, when WoW Classic comes out, I'm going to want to get a couple of characters to level 60. So there's going to be a lot of time in that. <sighs> a lot of backlog. A lot of front log, too. So a lot of games coming out. I just try to, I try to be as first impressions as I can be. I love playing a game that I've never touched before that I'm showing to my community for the first time because having the ability to share games that people are interested in, but on the fence about buying is great. Cause like I played like satisfactory love that game and it's early access and it is beautiful. It's fun. It's intriguing. It's well-designed and that sort of stuff is what I'm looking at in terms of like, I tend to look forward rather than backward unless like it's something that I've absolutely feel like I've got to, got to do and got to play like fable two. I went back to because I really wanted to play that. I haven't played it in so long. I beat Fable 3 not, you know, like quite a while ago when it first came out, like like a month or so after it came out. So looking at a game like that, those are the kind of things that I want to beat on stream so I can show, hey, this is the game. This is how I play it. This is how I enjoy it. And then, bam, you're done with it. You move on to the next. And I've just, I've been really bad at completing games my whole life since I was like a wee lad. So... Here's to hoping that maybe I can build that backlog on Trello and then pick out games that I can beat quickly, like using how long to beat to kind of gauge how long the games are and then dive on the ones that are three to six hours and beat those on stream to get the easy wins and then start doing 
sprinkling in the fables and such. I was like, I've gotten into a, a pattern. Fridays is Friendship Fridays. Sund- uh, Saturday, I play you know two hours of one game, like Fable 2 or Overwatch, flip to another game for two hours, flip to another game for two hours. So I, I, I do a variety of things in one stream. And then on Sunday, same thing play a different game for two hours and then another different game and then another different game. So it's always different and hopefully always fresh for my viewers. And that's, that's what I'm driving toward and hoping to deliver to, uh, to people who like my content. That's what I want ultimately. So fingers crossed that I can get to that point, but I just don't know, uh, if I will even have a backlog. So I know that doesn't, that's like a real non answer, but that's the best answer I have to give you. Unfortunately, uh, at this moment in time. With that said, that is the last question that we received. Um, I think the last, actually, I think there was one question from Sean and he said, like, what inspires me to do what I do and why did I start streaming? And that, that's something I can talk about. So I'll talk about that first and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. So also Josh, thank you for the question. All right. So let's jump into that. So what really inspired me and got me into streaming ultimately was my desire to create content in the first place. I wanted to make a podcast. I had watched G4 growing up and fell in love with the concept of being a personality that people can look up to and listen to and respect in gaming. And that's kind of my dream. Like, I know that sounds weird, like to be respected is my dream, but that's my dream. I would love for people to be able to go, hey, that's Tim. I know him. I recognize him. He knows a lot about games, and I really respect his viewpoint on it. I think he's great. People like Adam Sessler, Morgan Webb, um, uh, even even Kevin Pereira to an extent, like really influenced that. Um, and then just like lots of of game journalists who who would give their viewpoints in the various magazines and websites that I would read. People that just really they really wanted to make a difference in gaming. And that's what I would like is to have an impact where people can go that that's the guy that dude really drives home what I love about gaming. He, he knows stuff. He knows the history of games and he's, he is a, an authoritative resource. I think that's kind of what I want from streaming and content creation. So I started doing the podcast with George because we kind of had that similar vision and goal and it's it's a it's a tough thing to put my finger on because ultimately i just want i just want to make a difference i know that sounds really cheesy maybe a little dumb i don't know i don't care it is what it is i love talking about games i love being able to deliver information about games to people and being a resource that people can trust. Whether it be in the influence that I wield when it comes to game purchasing decisions or just people like wanting to know what my viewpoint is on Sekiro or AFK streams. Like that that means a lot to me. And I'm not saying that they asked me those questions in awe of me and that's not what I expect or want. What I want is I want to be able to just be an authoritative resource that people can respect and say yeah, go ask him. He may have a really cool thought on that type thing. And that's that's kind of what I've always wanted. And Retrofiz is a great way for me to jump on that. And it's a real great outlet because I can like share. I said I can like, I, I used a verbal tick. I, I really, I caught myself on that. I really don't like doing that. But I can jump on 
delivering my viewpoints in a way that makes me feel like people are listening. And whether they are or not is a different story, but I just appreciate you listening to me watching this podcast because ultimately I just want to deliver to you guys what I have been given. And that's a strong viewpoint, like strong viewpoints in general on gaming and a love for games and a passion for games because I care about this industry. I care about where it goes and I care about the people involved in it. I don't like when people are gatekeepers. I don't like when people are toxic but I do like it when people are welcoming, when people are acceptable and accepting, and when there's diversity in what we do, whether it be in our decisions, whether it be in the people, whether it be in the games themselves. It's all passion from me, for people, for games, for the industry. That's pretty much it, is that passion is what really made me start doing this. Hope that clears that up. Thank you, Sean, for asking that. I think that was your question. If that was wrong... You tell me, boo. You tell me. (sighs) With that said, thank you guys very much for joining me today. It has been a heck of an episode and tons of fun. So thank you for being here. This podcast, the ICT podcast, is produced by me, Tim. But Insert Coin Theater is more than just this podcast. It's also live streams three days a week, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, at least during, you know, as of this recording at Mixer.com slash theater. Above that, it's a vibrant and inclusive community over at Discord.gg slash ICT. If you'd like to support my efforts monetarily and help my content creation efforts become a full-time gig, please considering, uh, please considering, please consider pledging, I ran my words together, on the ICT Patreon at Patreon.com slash ICT. I'd like to give a huge thanks to Andy B, who is the Arcade Master Level supporter there, and the three other Patreon supporters for help keeping this podcast alive and kicking. If you're unable to support monetarily, please consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform or throw a follow over on the Mixer page or on the Retrofizz page, mixer.com slash retrofizz. Positive reviews go a long way to helping bring new listeners to the podcast and will help shape this show and help it grow in a meaningful way. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or you wish to connect with me, please visit me on Twitter at twitter.com slash insertcointim. My Mixer, Twitch, and Facebook and Instagram are insertcointheater. My DMs on Discord are always open. You can reach me there by DMing insertcointheater hashtag 6969. The intro to this song is made by my buddy, Ben Burns, also known as Abstraction. He's amazing, a great composer, and a great musician. You should definitely check him out. And if you're looking for any kind of music for a project of yours, whether it be a podcast or a game or something else, make sure you hit him up, abstractionmusic.com. Thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you for hanging out with me. And I'll see you next time.